Hello, and welcome to the Freedom Challenge online podcast. Here at the Freedom Challenge, we strive to do good by helping enslaved women and children to do more than you ever thought physically possible and to do it together by connecting women with a heart for a hurting world. We hope you enjoy your time being informed and encouraged with host Tracy Doherty and our amazing guests. So let's get ready and join Tracy for this week's episode. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Freedom Challenge online podcast. This is your host, Tracy Doherty. For today's episode, we have another awe-inspiring woman. And we're going to be talking about the incredible work that is being done in a few of the projects that Freedom Challenge has has had the honor to support through the years. Today, I am inviting Ann Davidson an astonishing and faithful woman of God who serves with OM Zambia. And by reminder, Operation Mobilization is a worldwide global organization in which Freedom Challenge has the joy of supporting those ministries worldwide, specifically that focus on prevention of oppression, development of women and children, and rescue and restoration of those who have been exploited. So we are thrilled to talk today and join together in saying, look what the Lord has done through OM Zambia. So with that being said, welcome, Anne. I met you briefly a few years ago and had tremendous admiration for all that was happening under your leadership, and I am so eager for our listeners to know more about you. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. It's wonderful to be here. Yes. Well, I want you to tell us a little bit about your life and, you know, where you're from and where you're Mm. calling from, all of those sorts of things. Sure. As you can tell by my fantastic accent, I am actually not Mm. Zambian. I'm from Scotland, from a town in Glasgow. So I really felt one day that God was saying, there's a bit more uh, that I want you to do, and it's in a different country. So I really Mm. felt God was calling me out of my own country. So growing up as this little girl in a small town, a small village, maybe with 2,000 people, I always just knew that I loved God and that I really loved people, especially people who were vulnerable and disabled. So I grew up with this absolute and utter burden to be doing something in my life for others, but not really knowing what to do. And of course, when you go to church and you hear the gospel, God really puts that in your heart. He makes it stronger, doesn't he? So I just Mm. followed the call that God gave me and decided that actually it was a missionary call and I was to especially help children. So children maybe who have been abused, trafficked, um, who just don't have the same opportunities as we we do in Scotland. And um, that's when God kind of showed me. It's not... not, um, Scotland, it's Africa. Mm. Well, first of all, I want to say we love the way that you pronounce your words, and we're very familiar with that because Ruth Willett is also from Scotland, and she is the prayer coordinator for the Freedom Challenge. So I feel like I'm just 
listening to a beautiful voice that I is so familiar to my heart. So I affirm it is a wonderful accent. And the second thing I want to say is the way that you simplistically and in an uncomplicated way shared your heart. I loved God and I loved people. And I was showing up in the house of God, hearing his word, and this is what he spoke. Like even the way that you package that and in a world that is so complicated and complex, that shows me a lot about you. You have kept your call and your heart uncomplicated sincere and devoted. And I just want to honor you for that, just the way that you even shared that. So how many years have you actually been serving in Africa? I think I came nine years ago. I got sent to South Africa. They do a lovely discipleship training. So when I said to the Lord, okay, I'm a missionary. Of course, I didn't really know where to go. So he sent me to South Africa and did the mission discipleship training so after about a year, I knew that, wow, my heart was for here, but wasn't quite for South Africa. And then I spent the other seven years here in Zambia. So it's eight years altogether in Zambia and a year in South Africa. So it's what, about nine, nine years altogether, maybe. Congratulations. You're right there with the Freedom Challenge. I don't know if you know that we're celebrating 10 years this year, 2012. Mm-hmm. So when you were heading out to Africa, Zambia, and getting prepared, we were just getting started with the Freedom Challenge actually there in Africa, Tanzania. So that's kind of exciting. We're, we're neck and neck with, with uh, the work. But for anyone who wants to know, including you, mm-hmm. Anne, she is one of our favorite Freedom Challenge models And one of my very favorite photos is one of you that really does, uh, this picture captures a thousand words. It's the photo of you standing from the back with all of those beautiful children walking. Do you know what picture I'm talking about? I think it's my favorite picture too. I love it. (laughs) I love it. We've actually used it on various publications. And I remember just looking at that and going, this woman, I remember your stature, your joy, and the way that you just moved through the project and ministry that your hands were on. And it just filled my heart with joy. So that picture will be in the show notes because I'm sure all of you will want to see it because it's really, really um, just a depiction of what you're doing. And one of the things that I remember, I came there in 2018 and I had the joy of witnessing the work that was going on. Here's a few of my memories. I remember all of the neighborhood children gathering, this darling little boy in the, in, um, in the property there that was, um, just dancing and filled with joy. It, it showed me the draw that this little plot of land has for the local children. And it really was impactful. I also remember the development project, uh, teaching women, putting new skill sets in their hands. And 
one of the women, I don't remember her name, but she measured me and created a custom dress for me like in three days. And I love this dress. It was beautiful African material that she had picked. And it was such a quality item, which speaks to the quality of the of the work you're doing there. But I also remember an empty safe house that was just being prepared. You walked us through this house on this beautiful property, and we envisioned what what would be filling it and the life that would come from it. So these are a few of the things that I remember just for the short time I was there some years back. I'm wondering if you would fill us in on greater detail. Like, what is this work How are you directly involved? What specifically are these ministries doing? What has transpired since last time I was there? Well, I think neighborhood children, um, you know that we're in a compound, Makalolo. It's got like 140,000 people all in poverty, looking for jobs, too many bars, people are drunk, uh, girls are getting trafficked, child brides. It's a real place of despair and hope. Satan's really stole a lot of hope. Families have forgotten how to love each other. There's no fathers there looking after children. So the neighborhood children are really drawn to us and come and dance and sing because they feel love. That's what they're missing. So it's like the whole community's just Mm. forgotten how to love. There's a few of us left there that know and we understand the gospel and we just put that back in people's lives. That's what Satan's stolen. So we just want to put that in in their lives. Mm. And some of those children you would have seen dancing, we had three boys who were being trafficked by a gang. They were coming at night and pulling them out their houses. And the parents were aware of this, but they were drunk or just disinterested in the children's lives. And the gang would take them out at night Mm. and... beat them up and say, we're going to rob houses tonight and you must help us. And I, we just thought, this is diabolical. Mm. How do we help children? We're just a day centre. We're not the police. If we go to the police, the gang, they're going to come and burn burn the, the day centre down. So we had a, a big, big chat about that. What do we do with these neighbourhood kids? And we got partners um, maybe about 30 kilometres away who are Christian boarding school and they said, listen, those three boys are high at risk. They'll become the next criminals of the, of Makalulu. So they took the three boys away. Mm. And now they're doing great. One of them, he passes grade. He always tells me, I always pass number two. I used to pass number one, but I still want to get back to number one. And that boy was going out at night and robbing. And now he's concentrating in school. Um, I'm sure he said he wants to be a doctor. Not sure if that's possible, but he's dreaming big dreams now. So I just think God's mm-hmm. having a massive impact in some of these children's life. You know, they're not going to be the criminals um, anymore that, that they were destined to be. God has decided to restore their destiny, mm-hmm. the one that Satan has taken away from them. So it's a privilege to be there with the neighbourhood children. And then the development project, we've decided to work more with the children um, because they're the, the up-and-coming generation. So the tailoring teachers now make it, helping the children with doormats. So they're trying to make things that they can sell. So we can sell beautiful fruits mm. to you guys, you foreigners, but you don't come to the project a lot. So we had to think, what mm-hmm. can we do that would sustain them? So they're making 
uh, mats, table mats out of, um, I think it's banana leaves. There's bottle tops they're making table mm. mats out of. They've got doormats. In fact, the Love Africa conference this year, you'll see them selling their own stuff. So I can't wait to see the kids mm. benefiting and getting a bit of money yes. for for what they've done. And can I say something? I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I actually bought one ah. of those bottle cap mats. And I know exactly what you're talking about. It is awesome. I love it that that's what you're leaning into. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I just want, I, I was just overcome with joy going, I, I have one of those. That's really practical. So cool. All right. Continue on. Yep. I, I mean, the, the kids, they, they, they don't know much. They're, they're told not to do things. They can't really do anything. You're useless. So when they learn to do a skill and they've made their own bags, they go about and show everybody, look what I've done. It gives them so much mm. worth and value as well. Some mm. have made, the smaller ones make a pencil case. You know, the bags are a bit beyond them. But, they, mm. you know, they, they're actually developing their skills, things that are useful in the community. So it's not just mm. education we're focusing on. We're focusing on... Um, skills and with that development project we've started farming too we've started mm. teaching them how to grow maize and then you grow pumpkins along with the maize and it, it fertilizes the maize a bit more it puts more nutrients in the ground I mean the, the the staff at Mercy House know how to do this so all their skills that they've learned as adults they're teaching to the next generation and I think in about two months' time, we should be eating our own carrots from our garden and our own onions. So we're really looking forward to, you know, eating the own fruit, the labour of our own hands soon. Mm. And That's... your safe house, you know, I remember you saying it was it, it was empty. I don't even know where to start with that. It's lying empty again because we've got a, a house that's even bigger in town. So... We, we used that for two years and we put six children in. We're now sitting mm. in the safe house in town. There's 29 people in this house and 14 of them are rescue children and the rest are staff and staff kids. So we've doubled in size and we're now in town. So it's just fantastic about the, the growth that God's given us. Um, mm. can't, can't believe it. I just glory be to God for, for how he touches. He gives people vision. It gives you great people to work with and with your help and support, you know, you put it all together, some kids are getting lifted out of poverty, they're getting to know Jesus, they're becoming dignity, you know, getting a bit of dignity in their life and feeling valued. Hmm. Oh, wow. This is like, I feel like a kid in a candy shop, just like eating good, like this is so good, hearing the reports of, of fruit and and what what the lord is actually doing through your your hands and specifically you know with all this expansion within the safe houses i am interested in hearing more about the process and how the children are getting to you i know you um you know there's probably a unique story to each child but what 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 does that look like? Well, we obviously want to work with the government here. So they have child protection policies. They've got um, police, social welfare. So we asked their permission, obviously, to expand from a day centre to a safe house. And they said, absolutely, please work with us. 
So we don't take children unless we get referral letters. So perhaps the police, I mean, I, I, I can just think of nights, it's maybe 10pm at night, there's a knock on the door, there's three kids, there's nowhere for them to go, they've been rape victims. Child brides, can you take them for a few days until we find out the story? Or can you take them for a few months and counsel them while we take them to take their um, take the people to court that's abused them? You know, most of them come through the police. We get referrals through social welfare. And I'm telling you, even tonight I had a phone call. One of the girls at the Mercy House daycare centre, she could have, might have been raped. So it looks like we'll be... You know, we're referring our own children from the daycare. So we, we just make sure that we work mm. with the locals, the police, the social welfare, and stick within the law. And it keeps us um, keeps us in good stead with the government. And they just keep give us permission to grow all the time and have more places and take more children. So, yeah, that's how it looks like, just working with yeah. local authorities and also a daycare centre. Yeah, and collaborating. I think it's interesting how the local authorities would know that you are the place for these kinds of emergencies, these kinds of situations, mm-hmm. that there's a sense of partnership that they can count on you to be present to that individual child. So there will be kids that are there long term, short term, and everywhere in between. Is that what I hear you saying? It is. And when you were t- talking about that picture, remember you said you, you love that picture of me? In that picture, there's three girls. And tomorrow, mm-hmm. we've had them for two and a half years. We've actually found a suitable relative for them to go and live. And they are super happy. They can't wait to get out of here, which isn't really peaceful in my heart. I will miss them very much. But their family, their grandmother, has agreed mm. to take them. So it's great that they've been reintegrated tomorrow. Um, So when you look at that picture, there's a happy story there. Yeah. And the happy story is restoration back to family and then this being Mm -hmm. a temporary hold for healing and love. As you said, there's some that have forgotten to love and then you all displaying that again so that these young ones can carry that into their own life and future. You know, I hear a lot about girls in exploitation and oppression and their particular vulnerabilities and all of that. But you spoke a little bit about the boys, which is something we don't often hear about. So what are some of the strategies? You mentioned a few about these street boys or Mm -hmm. young men, you know, becoming young men that you have encountered. Yeah, I just remember, you always say, I just tell you from my heart. One night I just says, Lord, we're always rescuing girls. It's time you help me rescue boys because we're sending our boys to different projects. Just give me a project and I'll rescue the boys. So it kind of looks like it's just street work just now. So at the moment, we have um, three guys, one from Tanzania, he's come to help, and two boys from Lusaka who have been ex-street boys. They're in their early 20s, um, sorry, late 20s, and they know what it's like on the street. So they go out three times a week, they play football with the boys, and they identify the street boys that are on the street full time. They sleep in the street, so they're not just there begging. 
um, and then they go back home. We're looking for real, real street boys who are vulnerable. Mm. And then they look again and say, who's not really on drugs and who's ready for reintegration? Who's ready to get their life back together? So out of the 30 boys that they work with, they've picked six boys. And they'll bring them to the daycare centre at Mercy House. We'll feed them. They can have a shower. They'll get discipleship. We've bought them football tops. And that's the partnership that we're having with the Hope in the Street. They're also in Zambia. They're one of our sister projects. So because we're partnering with them, we recognise that they are more skilled than that. They can come to our daycare centre and we can actually have an impact now in the street boys. And then I'm praying the first mercy house and the first safe house is lying empty. So I'm just telling God, why not fill it with boys? We can reintegrate Mm. them, have them in the house because the staff's there, the building's there. It's just God to move and show us when it's the right time now to bring the boys because they have to really be probably in a house for six months to get all of that street life out of them. You know, get off drugs, get Jesus in your life, get saved, be disciplined, learn how to cook and clean. You must bath. I'm telling you, these guys don't bath. Um, It's difficult to work with them. So... Our project is growing there. We're just kind of in the middle stage where we're having them day drop in, but we would like to see that we have them 24 hours and then we would reintegrate them back home, a bit like the safe house for the girls. So that's where we are just now with the Street Boys Ministry. I, I'm seeing the collaboration and playing to one another's strength and the vision And for all of our listeners, I would ask that even as we're talking, you would just capture this little dream and begin to pray that this, and I've seen this home that is now lying empty because the women and the girls have all gone to this bigger home, that it would in fact be filled with these young boys as an additional process to restoration and and all the healing that needs to take place. So we're going to be committing to praying for that to happen. Let it be. Let it be, Lord Jesus. Amen. We agree. Amen. 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 <laughs> yes. Yep. And I, I, I am really committing to, to praying that for and with you. So now you've mentioned this term house mom, which at first I went, what, what does that mean? And I gather that this is a real essential role for everyday life in the restoration and healing of those living in the safe house and those that will be living in the future safe house for boys in Makalulu. Can you describe what a house mom does? And I actually think we have one of your house moms right there sitting with you, ready to share her story about what she is actively doing. Sure. Well, I'll give you a description. House mum, she looks after the, the children like her own. So she gets them up, school, eh, makes sure they're ready for school, bathing. Have you brushed your teeth? Have you got your uniform? She makes sure all their clothes are ready. She makes sure that they're growing spiritually, psychologically. She's looking at them. How is this child coping with their trauma? She's also looking to see how are they all getting on, coping with each other. She's trying to manage the house, 
11, 12 kids at the one time. She's a fantastic woman who can juggle much more than I can. So if you imagine all you mothers out there with one or two kids, house mums got about 11 or 12 traumatised kids <laughs> who aren't her own. So she's a superwoman, really. I think that's the best way to describe house mum's job. A superwoman who does the, the job of a mum, but so much more. Um, and I think just that leading them to Christ and letting children feel open enough to share the most terrible traumas and hurts that they've experienced. So she's a big part of, of the healing process when it comes to mm. the children. Uh, mm. So I've got Mummy Chippo here with me just now. Mm. Well, I'd love to hear from her. Would you share from your heart about what you are doing and how that's impacted your life and maybe even some stories that we could hear from your experiences as house mom. Okay. Yeah, this as a house mother is something that um, it's a calling. That's how I can call it. Because if you're not caught, it's not easy to do what uh, you are supposed to do. It's a calling that one needs to have. I chose to be a house mother because of what God has done to me. I'm working with vulnerable children who are traumatized. Some are orphans. They have been abused in different ways. I've grown up as an orphan as well. I lost my parents when I was very young, when I was four years. I've gone through rejection. So I know what these mm. children feel or what they are going through. So I made a decision. After God saving my life, I said, Lord, I'll work for you. The only way I can work for God is to save these children as a mother. I said, I will be a mother to the motherless. You've been there for me and you've always been there for me. Mm. So I'm not just a house mother who should work. No, I'm a mother. Whether they grow up, whether they become big women like me, they will still be my children. I love them and I will always love them. And uh, with me, I've worked with these children. I'm now clocking to two years. It's been a journey. It has helped me to heal as well because of what I've gone through in life. That trauma that I had, I'm healed because of interacting with children. I uh, Sometimes... It hurts me. A child will come with a different story. It reminds me of what I've gone through. But again, it's given me the strength to be a strong person so that I stand strong for these children. Because what I hate in life to see is to, to see a child go through what I went through. It's very painful that you even reach the extent of committing suicide. But the grace of God, here I am. I'm breathing because God has a purpose for my life. So I love these children, and as long as I live, I promise to God that, Lord, I will save you, because this is what you've showed me that I should do, and I will do this with all my heart. Hmm. I can hear, yeah. even in your words, the, the love and gratitude in you because of what God has done in you and now is doing through you. I'm imagining that if I was there watching you, that you have big healing hugs that these children need and desire, but also a strength of mind and direction that is bringing the structure that they are needing 
as a mother. I think it's really awesome how you've tied together this calling God has given you in your life to be not only healing for others, but healing for you. Thank you for doing all the work that you're doing. Thank you for saying yes to God's call in your life. It's really, it's, yeah, it's impactful. And I think it would be meaningful. I don't know, Anne, if we even just at this moment, Mm -hmm. I'd love to pray for Mm -hmm. several things. I'd love to pray for both of you. And I'd love to pray for this boy's home and the continued work of mothering that you both really are doing in different ways that you will see a multiplication of other workers that can continue on and expand what he has already done in both of you. Can I pray? Oh, please do. Yeah. Yes. Uh, So I want to invite all of the listeners into this prayer. And I just even now say, look what the Lord has done. The work that you're doing in Makalulu, the way that you are showing up because of two women saying yes to the call and saying yes to your call to go and to immerse herself in a different culture and now is is just filled with life and community because of that. Thank you for Chipo's yes to walking through her own personal healing and showing up every day for two and a half years for these young ones. I bless them in Jesus' name, and I say thank you for all that they are doing. And Lord, I pray in agreement with all those praying with me that you would infuse these women both with new energy and new life that the strength that they personally need to continue moving forward would be available to them by the power of your Holy Spirit and by the word of God. I pray that everything that they have need of would be provided to them. If it's encouragement, if it's provision physically, if it's friends, all of those things that would be provided for them so that they would be able to see how greatly you love them and appreciate how they are doing what you care so much about widows and orphans and those in trouble. I'm asking for the dreams in their heart to grow and to flourish and be added to. I'm praying in agreement that what is needed for all of these safe homes and these daycares and these development projects would begin to flourish beyond what they could imagine. And I'm also asking that even within the next year, there would be a filling of that home in Makalulu with boys, that that vision would be materialized with the right people in the right place and in the right time. And Lord, we just lean in with them. We speak a blessing and life over them. And we ask that every single one of those precious lives, even the ones that we just heard about, the three young girls in that photo, would multiply the work that has been deposited in them. And we ask these things all in the name of the mighty Jesus, the one who's come to save and has given us life. In your name, amen. 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 Woo!
Sure, powerful. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Do you know, it's really nice yeah. to have somebody in another country just praying for Amen. us. It's wonderful. Mm. I just feel Amen. so uplifted. Mm. It's beautiful. Thank you. Amen. Well, it's my joy. And our time is kind of concluding, which makes me really sad. But I, I want to leave with this. Is there anything that maybe maybe both of you, just a concluding thought um, maybe um, a, a favorite story or something that just kind of rises to the top of your heart that you want to share with us. It could be a concluding thought, an exhortation, or a favorite story of a life transformed. Your pick. I think we, we had Joyce in the house. You remember she wasn't an easy child. Oh, So I think... Probably Joyce was Mummy Chipple's one of our hardest transformations ever. <laughs> she she came, she was 15 years old, she was pregnant. She'd been thrown out of her home in the capital, Lusaka. Mm -hmm. And the police said, there's nowhere for her to go. Take her for a couple of weeks and we'll make a plan. So we're now on our fourth month. She's insulted Mummy Chipple. I don't know how many times she's stolen from me. She's denying everything. Um, she ran away. I said, you, police station now, I'm handing you back. I've had enough of you. You're just wild. You're not what I said I would do for Jesus. I said, you're just really unruly child. We can't do anything with you. There's nowhere to go. And then something happens in her mind. She just thought, I've got nobody but these people. Mm. So we took her back. We also realized the police brought her back. He says, well, there's nowhere for her to go. Her family don't want her. She's about six, nine months, well, six, seven months pregnant now, you know, so, you know, he's really going to throw her out in the street. I said, oh, well, of course I can't. But I really laid down the law. I said, you cannot keep annoying the house mums. You must listen to them. And you almost, you need to stop stealing and having these bad manners. And you and a baby now are coming into this world. And the man that's been with you, you're 15 years old, he's in prison now, the prison, he's in jail, he's 21, you're a child bride, it's all wrong. Wake up, there's a reality here that you're not seeing. And that girl really transformed, I just couldn't believe it. As the other two or three months passed, you could just see she was changing. And then we would tell her things and she would think about it. She even came to me and told me, yeah, I actually did steal the money and I'm sorry and I'm going to change. I could really see God's Holy Spirit working mm -hmm. in her. It was just magnificent how nothing to do with me. Um, I, I I just had enough of her. I don't know about you, Mummy Chippo. Yeah, I still had hope <laughs> she would change. <laughs> so the loving mum had hope. Me, I just had enough. <laughs> And I thought, you know, God really overruled me and my emotion. And then because she had a dramatic mm. change, um, our parents, our, our dad took her back because he, he kept saying, you have no idea what this child has done to me. We said, we don't, but she's become a born again. Yes. And you must take her back. She's reformed. And the way she was with that baby, mm -hmm. she loved little baby Joshua. Yeah, very much. And she looked after, she bathed him. She was always kissing him. And she's been reintegrated maybe after a month after having the child. She's mm -hmm. back with her family. We phone her. The mother said, we can't believe it. It's a miracle. Mm -hmm. So glory be to God that yeah. 
He transforms wow. wayward children mm -hmm. and he can replace them back where we never thought was possible. Yeah. It's a miracle the family took her back mm -hmm. and that she's still there. So her and her little baby are doing well and hopefully in a year's time she can go back to school. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know what I love about that, Anne, and I've had these kinds of situations too when God's grace kind of shuts down our mouth and our and how we see it. You know, like that is one of my favorite experiences when I have come to like, oh, this is how it's going to be. This person is this. And then his grace just floods it mm -hmm. and the story yeah. ends in his yeah. grace. That's so yeah. cool. Love it. Is there anything you want to leave with us? A story or just a closing thought or something that's on your heart you'd like to share with the listeners? Yeah, with me, I just thank God each time I have an opportunity. And God is marvelous. He has done a lot. And not only healing me, God has, I'm happy and humbled. God has healed my daughter. It wasn't easy. My daughter was defiled by her own father. So the journey wasn't that easy. I'm glad I've seen even the missions that she's doing has really helped her to know that God indeed exists. God loves her. Despite the injustice that you've been through, God is still God. So um, I'm really humbled. I'm really grateful to be part of this platform. And I thank God. I know there are a lot of people out there who are hating who are being rejected, who have gone through a mm. lot of things that are going around in this world. But God is God. Mm. If God can save my life from being a slave woman for so many years, I've gone through trauma, whereby your husband sleeps with your own daughter. It wasn't an easy thing, but God has healed me that wound. And he has turned what the devil thought to be evil into something good. Here I am. I'm um, saving children. I can see how happy children can be. Children are broken, but they're happy. They respect me. They value me. They know to say this is our mother. And I'm happy to be in this place because the family I never had, God has given me a family. I was born alone, but God has made me to be a mother of many. And I'm very grateful to God and I'll always be grateful. I'm really humbled and thank you so very much. God bless you. Hmm. Ladies, it's been a joy and an honor to have this conversation with you today and everyone listening. I hope that this inspires your heart about how you as a woman can influence the world around you. You may not live in a safe home. You may not go to Africa, but there are vulnerable children everywhere we look where our yes and our mothering and our touch, and our teaching to love, as Anne so beautifully shared with us at the very beginning, is greatly needed and is so much the kingdom of God. So ladies, I honor you. Thank you for showing up today. And I hope that at some point in the next few years, we can bring some ladies from the Freedom Challenge back out to see the remarkable work and perhaps even take a tour through the boys' safe house that we're praying about with you. And until next time, listeners, let's continue to do good by helping enslaved women and children do more than you ever thought physically possible and do it together by connecting with women who have a heart for a hurting world. God bless Freedom Sisters. 
Thanks for listening to the Freedom Challenge online podcast. If you liked what you heard, join the fight to set women and children on a pathway to freedom across the globe. We are a proud ministry of Operation Mobilization USA and encourage you to learn more at thefreedomchallenge.com and omusa.org for how you can get involved. Follow us on Facebook, on Instagram at the FCUSA, and don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to let us know what you think. We'll see you next time.